And welcome to the show, guys. It is Monday night, and unfortunately, that Jeff Hurst clip still remains or will remain <laughs> the closest England have got for a while. But to start off on a really depressing note, I'm sorry about that. Welcome to the show. As always, my name is Rory. I'm joined by my very good friend, Adam, and a special guest today, Ollie from Team of Our Lives. How are we doing, mate? Yeah, very well. Thanks for having me on, champs. Really do appreciate it. Um, yeah, a little bit sore, but we'll, uh, we'll get on to that. <laughs> we will we will get through it i'm sure um i'm hoping the hangover wasn't too bad yesterday i don't know i felt a bit ropey sunday <sighs> i don't i purposely again this is gonna be very i'm a controversial man as you as you, as you <laughs> know but um i've had to stop going to the pubs to watch the football oh, specifically wow, okay. england specifically england games because i'm such a no, well, no. That, well, yeah, that, that's one of the reasons. Too many fights. Too much of too much of poetry. No, um, <laughs> no. Reason I I care, and I'm a bit of a bit of a historian when it comes to World Cups to a certain extent. I just love the history of the World Cup. It is more important to me than uh, league football, which I know a lot of people disagree with. Okay, their lot, their loss. Um, but um, I just love the World Cup so much that I just hate hate it when. I don't know what you guess. YouTube fans and Twitter fans kind of start giving their club appearance opinion, or will never get a job in the Prem. Gareth, you'll never get a job in the Prem. It's like, well, name a Premier League, name a manager that's won the Premier League and the World Cup. Then you bunch of morons really pisses me off. I'm getting angry now. Um, <laughs> but, um, um, but yeah, I've had to stop going to the pub because I, I hate overhearing just nonsense. Um, I know it's an arrogant thing to say, but also just I think no. in England at the moment, there's a certain fan of a certain age. Just is it's all about getting coked up than it is about watching the actual game. Yeah. I just I, I got yeah. really really dis- in Euro 2020. I was really disappointed by a lot of England fans, and it, it kind of Fair. disheartened. But so I thought I'd be more happy just watching it at home. I've got food. I've got a toilet. I don't have to queue up for. Um, yeah. you know. <laughs> Lucky you. <laughs> yeah. Or yeah. 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 well, when it's working. Yeah. Um, yeah. Rent and all that. But, um, but yeah. No, well, I'm, I'm glad you brought it up actually because in the pub on um, Saturday night, we went to the local Irish pub, of course, uh, to meet all the English people. And unfortunately, it was full of Americans. And there was a moment that made me so angry. And it was these American fans who chanted, Let's Soccer. go, yeah. England. Let's go. And it honestly oh, made me angrier than the goal. It honestly, <laughs> <laughs> it, I was red. I was screaming like, oh, who the, like, what are they doing? What are they doing? And then there was a French person right behind me who it all started quite nice. And then as the game went on, it got a bit tetchier and tetchier. Um, by the final whistle, he shouted, he stood up and shouted, Congratulations, England, to the end of the to the whole pub. And he had to leave fairly sharp. Yeah, are you um are you still in Italy? Yeah, still in Milan. Yeah. Still in Milan. So yeah, who yeah, yeah. who are who are um, cause my brother's just left um Empoli and he said the Italians weren't really watching the World Cup. No, I nobody gives a shit. No, yeah. I don't know if there was certain like certain yeah. corner of Naples were kind of supporting Argentina because of Maradona yeah. or yeah. Is that, I'm assuming it's... that's what's happening. Yeah, no one gave a shit. It was just English, Americans, and French. Um, but Adam, we've not even given you time to say hello yet. Adam, how are you doing, man? You good? Hello, yeah, I'm doing very well, thank you. Um, just counting down the hours, literally, Rory, because uh, the Gislav Mikniewicz news continues to dominate the oh, Polish press. So uh, the late latest is he released this tweet. He went, this is me, Czeslav Mikniewicz. If I remain as the selector, book your tickets for Germany in Euro 2024. 
Um, so uh, just to give a bit more context, uh, there has been a few more ongoing uh, chats about his role in the Polish national team. And uh, there was a very vague statement made by the Polish FA today, which basically said that they haven't actually extended his contracts, but at the same time, they weren't going to announce who his potential replacement was as well. And they also kind of kept it ambiguous by saying, we also are holding talks with Mikniewicz as well. So it's like... So we don't know what's happening. Not ruling um, anything lot, out. A lot of rumours about Bielsa coming into oh. Poland still. And uh, I did mention offline to you, Harv Renard. Um, he's got ancestry, Polish ancestry, which, you know, I'd Jeez. be delighted for him to actually turn up and actually give us football because we scarred everyone at the World Cup with our football, unfortunately. <laughs> and I do apologise to Ollie as well if he had to enjoy any Polish matches. It, but... yeah, to be fair, they were boring games, to be fair. I'm surprised they made it out of the group. I Honestly, I'm still trying to figure out how. Uh, every Poland fan is much the same. We just don't know how yeah. he progressed. Um, yeah, yeah. Pa- uh, to Paolo Souza, one to him. I thought he was still in charge. Uh, he decided to do one and go to Brazil, and then didn't last more than six months oh, before Flamengo he... decided yeah, to give Flamengo, him the, right? yeah. basically give him the sack. Um, yeah. yeah, he decided to go for warmer climates compared to the Polish snow as we've got it right now and also in the uk right we've got our one inch of snow at the moment but yeah in poland <laughs> yeah. it's about six mu- six inches deeper so uh so, yeah. In, in, yeah enthusiastic frost i call it yeah yeah <laughs> exactly exactly but yeah interesting well, developments I'm, rory i'm really liking these half renard bielsa links and that they're picking up a bit of speed i think we've talked mm. about it many times that poland squad is actually quite exciting despite what chesswife tried, tried to do with it it's quite an exciting yes. polish squad but Fingers crossed, we will see one of them get the job. Another kind of story that caught my eye this week was Samuel Etu. Now, many people <laughs> mocked him, not only for kicking a fan, but he is the only man, I think, who managed to predict a France-Morocco semi-final. Should we be giving him the credit he deserves, Ollie? It turns out Eto was a bit of a visionary. Do, do you know what else he also said at the start of the tournament, what he said to the Cameroon? <laughs> He said, yeah. I expect you to win. I was like, yeah. oh, is, I, I mean, to be fair, I think he's. I think from the start, he's just been one of these contrarians. Like, whatever you say, he'll say the opposite. Yeah. And he probably looked at, he's got his little um, map from the Daily Mirror or whatever, put it on his wall of the World Cup fixtures, mapped up who could possibly meet who and thought, well, no one's going to say France-Morocco. I'll say that. <laughs> and, um, just to be contrarian. I can't believe, it's the same with like, El Hanschuf, you know, he was like the goodwill ambassador to Senegal. Yeah. I was like, he used to spit on people. Yeah. Like, the goodwill ambassador. It's like, God knows what Benjani's doing from Zimbabwe. Was it like <laughs> te- teaching athletics for all the backflips he used to do? I, I don't know. Yeah, I just, I love, I love these countries that have like one hero. Like, is it Sean Gosu of Bermuda? Was it? Is yeah, it yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Just, yeah. just, uh, yeah, yeah. just one hero, and they're like, well, he's our one only good player, or any player that played in the Premier League. We'll give him a really important job. He, he has no qualifications to do whatsoever. <laughs> I mean, the best example again, Liberia. George Way is the president. He is I now mean, the actual president. Yeah, actual, actual president. president. Not president yeah. of FIFA or the FA. The president of the country. Um, <laughs> then you, you know. A lot of Brazilian uh, footballers go into politics, like Romario and um, a few others. Genius. Hopefully not Neymar. Hopefully not Neymar. Although he might be looking oh, forward to his time there. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. Yeah. Well, God knows what he's going to go into. It's the face of face of so many things. And, uh, yeah, 
Brazilian politics probably shouldn't be one of them. Possibly not. not. But yeah, I thought I did love the fact that Etu did predict Cameroon to win the whole thing. And AFC Finners has just commented that he did also predict that predict that Qatar would be England. So, you know. Yeah, throw enough yeah. shit at the wall, some of it'll stick, I suppose. Um, but the last story, long-term listeners on the pod will know that we love King Kazoo, the Japanese player who just time is no matter to him. This week, he just <laughs> signed for second division Portuguese side, Oliver Ench. None of the squad were born when he started his career 36 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> he is now signing at 55. Just that man will never, ever retire and still just keep absolute bags, man. Just keeps scoring every season. Adam, how great is it to see King Kazoo still going and back in Europe, back in the big time? He's just doing another tour, isn't he? He's just going for a laugh. He just needed a break from the (laughs) Japanese A-League or whatever it was. But yeah, no, I was looking at his history and he hasn't really played too many matches in the last few seasons. But yeah, at the same time, he's just there there for the uh, Guinness Book of Records, isn't he? So fair play to him. Fair play. And he did spend a bit of time in Italy. I think he played for... Regina, I want to say. Really? Oh, Regina, yeah. I thought it was Regina, but I might be wrong. But yeah, I was pretty sure it's Regina. Someone in in Burgundy. At Genoa, (laughs) he had a a season on loan. 21 games, one goal. What a guy. 55 years old, still absolutely smashing it up. So good work, King Kazoo. We are glad to see you still in the big time but guys we've delayed it for long enough we're actually going to have to talk about england now um and i've decided to go for england out but not down that's supposed to say give me one second um ollie i'm going to get your initial reactions to the performance the result um and then we'll kind of go into it a bit more in depth what do we think um so i was very negative brief at the start and then I took some time to sort of contemplate and I actually thought you know what we gave a good account of ourselves in the game and at the tournament as a whole um mm-hmm. the second half particularly I think they couldn't deal with Saka uh, and um you know defensively we weren't bad it was just a bit you know just the masterfulness of Giroud you can never write that man off mm-hmm. um and I think we were the aggressors to a certain point we just don't have what have what France have and that's a clinical finish and the final third, and we kind of stumble around the final third rather than go, right, we're going to do this and then have a shot, or we're going to do pass, 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 or we're going to work triangles, or we just kind of stumble and get mm-hmm. to that same final third and don't really know what to do. But, but you know, that team is still quite young. You know, Bellingham, 19, Foden, Saka, still very young. You know, back home, we've still got Reese James and, you know, tomorrow yeah, yeah. if he decides to become English again. Um, you know, so there's still... It's still a maturing side, and I'd, I'd rather be in that position where they can grow. Even Declan Rice is only 23. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And we've still got plenty of players coming through the ranks as well. So I'd rather be in that position where we've got a good squad there coming through. It's not like the end of the golden generation where it's like, oh, who have you got now? Stuart Downing, Gareth Barry, <laughs> Phil, 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 Phil Jagielka, Matthew Upson. Oh, brilliant. You never saw where it's going to go. But we've got so much good talent coming mm-hmm. through. And the last few tournaments, I think you'll agree that with Gareth, they've played with some cohesion, which is something we've not mm-hmm. seen since the 90s. Um, so, you know what, I'm left optimistic. And realistically, defending world champions, it, they've got the best player in the world. Mm-hmm. It, I, I, going into the game, I didn't think we were going to win. So to play in the manner we did, I, yeah, we, we still got to be proud of ourselves, I think. 
Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. And the best player in the world, we kept very, very quiet. I think it did oh, mean yeah. that we thought a little less about other players, but we did keep him completely quiet and he barely affected the game. I thought, you're right. My general feeling about this is I'm not, it doesn't feel like other England exits, right? It doesn't feel like when we lost to Portugal on penalties. It doesn't feel like 2010 when we went out in disgrace. It doesn't feel like, it felt like we went out kind of on our shields, so to speak, if you know what I mean. We kind of, we we, we really went for it. And I, I was saying to Adam just before we pressed record, like this is the proudest I've been of an England performance that I can really think of. Where I was like, we went toe-to-toe with them. We were, I think, the better team. They let us have the ball, but I think we were the better team. Um, as you said, they just had two chances and they were super, super clinical. Now, Adam, we've been talking about Olivier Giroud for a very, very long time mm-hmm. this season. This year for Milan, he has been so... They've just called him Mr. Clutch now. And I'm just going to very quickly go through mm-hmm. the goals this year that he scored that have been so important for um, France. So we have, uh, for Milan, sorry, he scored a brace against Inter in February to go uh, to win from 2-1 behind. He scored the winner against Napoli in March. He scored two the first two goals to secure Milan their title against Sassuolo. Um, mm-hmm. He then scores and assists versus Inter to in a 3-2 win after coming from behind. Um, he scored the winner against Spezia. I was lucky enough to be at the stadium for that one. And then now he scored a brace against Australia, opened the scoring against Poland, and has now scored the winner against England. This guy is just there when it counts. Like, it is incredible. Yeah, and I'm going to nick Julian Laurent's on, on terms of the analogy, but France were, were ruthless. That was mm-hmm. the difference between England and France at the end of the day. I mean... Yes, France didn't play particularly well, but what they seem to do better than England is get a grip of the game when it most counts. And in that particular moment, for example, we can all have our debates whether Griezmann should be on the pitch, but I I feel like the kind of pressure on him wasn't there. And he, Giroud kind of in that very moment when he got that header, that was the one moment that I felt like Maguire and John Stone switched off like you mm. see Harry Maguire looks over his shoulder. He can see Giroud's behind him. John Stones does the same thing and they just didn't pick him up at that one yeah. moment that really counted. Now, that shouldn't kind of deflame from what a fantastic tournament the both of them have had. Mm-hmm. I felt defensively England were really strong, but Giroud has this knack. And I think that's what makes him kind of the focal point for France. There's a lot of French people that obviously believe Benzema should be the main man for the French squad. But Giroud just proves time and time again that despite his age, despite his weaknesses, he has that killer instinct. And that's the difference, I feel like. Maybe England will learn from this one experience. It's going to be a harsh reality because you you think about it, you got went toe-to-toe very much for the majority of the match. I still feel there's an element and we'll go into it, but I feel like Southgate did kind of neglect. But overall, that was the fine margins we're talking about between France progressing and England going out of the tournament was just the ruthlessness. And, you know, if we even take the first goal, too many, like how it started off was Mbappe having four England players around him and still (laughs) getting past it. So despite the fact that he had a really quiet match, it was that one moment Mm -hmm. that he was able to get away from those players because it was Rice that almost got a tackle in and he just managed to skip past it at that very moment. But even after that moment, there were still plenty of players behind Mbappe in that sense and could have done better. I mean, if you think Bellingham was just probably about 30 seconds away from blocking that shot, maybe less than that. You think what could have been, um, 
But yeah, French squad, you, you've got to hand it to them. They just riled out that performance. And I think that really tells about France and how they've done in this tournament. Because I don't think mm. they've been spectacular, but this was a first main test for France and they managed to do superbly. Well, that's it. And they, it, even though the, the fact that we had the ball for the majority of the game, and I think we were the better team, you were still very much aware that this was part of France's game plan, right? <laughs> it never felt like that. I think there was only a slight period where France kind of felt like it was out of control. Maybe the beginning of the second half, it felt like England, like Saka was, I could talk for an hour about how good Saka was. I was so proud watching him, watching him play. Mm. But there was only a short period where I think France were like, oh, this game could get away from us. But they were able to manage it. Um, and I think your point with the goal is really interesting because, yeah, the, the space for Chouameni there is made because we're concentrating on on Mbappe so hard. And Dembele caused us quite a lot of problems within the first 10 minutes mm. because we were thinking about Mbappe so much. But that's what happens when you've got an incredibly good squad and one outstanding player as well. Like, yeah. there are so many fires to kind of put out at the same time. But I think tactically to start off with, I was just really happy that Southgate didn't switch to a back five stuck to the back four and went, no, we're going to play our game. Our game is good enough now for you to have to put up with this. And Ollie, I'm going to ask you, like, does this feel like, despite it being a quarterfinal exit, which is earlier than the last World Cup and earlier than the Euros, for me, it feels like progress still. Do you see this as progress, this tournament? Yeah, 100%. Um, it's, it's interesting what you say about back five, because defensive historically, defensive teams have won, won World Cups. Mm. And you could argue for back five, it could have been a different result. You know, it's it's, it's, it's a weird it's a weird argument because wing backs could have you know uh, opened up the channels and in um, it depends tactically how you look at it. But you've got to give credit to Southgate. He's he's listened to his critics for five four five six years now, and he's changed it. Remember the last tournament? Oh, we need to see Grealish get Grealish on. Same with Foden this tournament. Yeah. He's playing a back five. How dare he play a back four? Plays back four every single game this tournament, which is something I, I wasn't expecting. And fair play to me, he did. Every criticism he's had, he's he's listened to, he's molded it, he's changed changed it, he's trained for it, and he's done well with it. You know, even though he's he's gone against the grain um, of his own, what I imagine is his own mental thinking. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I got it. I got to agree with what you said. Really, like to do that for Southgate personally shows he's improved the team's improved the fight's improved we're going into games not as not, not like oh crap we're playing Germany or we're playing France yeah, again yeah. like we, we can probably win this I think the win over Germany in the last tournament probably done that for us um, yeah and it, as you said it didn't it didn't feel like an exit like it does traditionally from England from like oh, same old England no not same old England yeah. it was fine margins as Adam was saying Mm-hmm. I mean, the only annoying thing is that we shouldn't have to rely on two penalties to get through. We should be able to score from open play. Yeah. That's the most frustrating. If there's one frustrating thing, it's that. But it goes back to what I was saying earlier, is that when France had the ball and they were attacking us, they were very decisive on what they were doing and mm-hmm. it worked. We weren't. And it's that indis- it's, we need to be a, take a leaf out of Man City's book to some degree and just kind of be decisive with the ball. Yeah, Pass, 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 shot or cross or whatever it's going to be rather than just kind of divvy it around from Henderson mm. to Saka back to Henderson cross it to Bellingham it it, it 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 we did revert to type a little bit I guess but it's still yeah. more positive than what we've seen previously no I think you're right there was a few times where as well as Saka did especially the first half where I was like right you've got the space now hit it you've got it on your left foot hit it and it just it wasn't that shot there wasn't that final ball it did feel a bit stilted um but 
I think a, a turning point in the game, and Adam, I'm going to ask you about this, was kind of his mm-hmm. substitutions. Now, yeah. I know that Saka had basically been kicked out of the game at that point, Mike. And England fans, you can now see why Arsenal fans get upset every weekend about the treatment that Saka gets, because he ne- <laughs> he gets fouled constantly and people don't get punished for it. It blows my mind. But he basically got kicked out of the game. So I understand why Southgate took him off. But... That being said, I think at that point, the French went, okay, right, Saka's off, Hernandez can relax, and the game kind of started to relax a little bit. Um, What did you make of his substitutions? I also think he brought on Grealish far too late, and Sterling didn't have the impact he was expecting, I think. Yeah, definitely, and I think this is the point that I want to allude to, is that it still feels like with Southgate, he hasn't learned how to be more tactically astute in these kind of games, Um, because for me, I felt like Henderson was slowing down the game. I felt like as much as you can guarantee Henderson will do a good job for you, there was times where you're just looking for a bit more energy and urgency. You didn't see that with Bellingham, for example. It was just the flow of the game kind of got ruined in that midfield a few times. Then if you talk about the substitutions, yeah, they were very late. I didn't quite understand the Saka one. By all accounts, it sounds like he might have been kicked around so much Mm. that he was pulling something. But then you think, why would you put Sterling on? Someone that's been, what, equivalent of 12-hour flights to Mm. Qatar and London (laughs) back, right? And he probably didn't really train with the squad. So you're thinking you've got someone like Grealish that's a bit more exciting. We'll take the ball at Teo Hernandez. We know Teo Hernandez doesn't do very well when he's got someone really Mm. attacking him. We saw it in the penalty incident. He was not looking. He He lost his head head at that moment. And there's moments where I'm thinking as well, like personally, you get the goal back, right? So put more pressure. We needed some mm-hmm. more players kind of putting the energy into it. Bellingham was the only one alongside Declan Rice that was trying to do something in that midfield at times. I know Saka had those chances, but it almost mm-hmm. felt like he didn't have the belief sometimes that you yeah, know yeah. he can take them on a bit more. So someone just needed to have that quick word and just say, take them on, you know, just do yeah. something a bit more productive of the ball. Um, that's why I would have gone with Henderson. But then I don't know about you guys, but I thought, Kane was very leggy before the goal or in terms of the second penalty. So he Mm -hmm. seemed to drop back even further than he normally would in terms of that midfield, which I felt like encouraged the French to attack England. Right. Put a lot of pressure on that back line. Luke Shaw didn't have a fantastic first 45, got better towards the second half. But then again, if I was Deschamps, I would have just swapped Mbappe to the other side because I would have sort of said, Luke Shaw is your weakness, right? Yeah, Carl yeah. Walker's got Mbappe quite tight. Swap yeah. them around, even just intermittently throughout the game, you could have seen a bit of a different scoreline. Mm. Um, I don't know. I just feel like it's those little moments with Southgate that he doesn't seem to learn from. And it feels like other coaches seem to do it better. Um, he did it in the final against Italy as well. That was the but one think... moment where you feel like he's got to learn better from these moments. And I appreciate he's got people around him, but he does still feel like he's someone that he has his own mind. He has he trusts these players to do the job and mm. he won't change it until the very last minute. Even Rashford, I think he should have been on a lot sooner. Yeah, I think I think he is. I think we're seeing Gareth Southgate learning. I think we are seeing him learning. I think because what we did when Italy equalised was we dropped back completely and we were like, okay, now we've just got to hang on for penalties, basically. I think what we saw here was, yeah, we could have been a bit more proactive, but I think there was a development there in the kind of, okay, we can still try and win this, but let's not be reckless about it. I think we are seeing Southgate 
learning, I think. But we're seeing him learn alongside this team, which I think is what's quite important, is that it's a very young team. And it's why, spoiler alert, I would still have him in the job because I think it, he, if he continues his development alongside this team, it could really go somewhere quite... Um, well, quite exciting. But Ollie, what did you make of the substitutions? Do you think Gareth has learned from the Euros in 2018? Yeah, I think he has. And I think we've seen the substitutions in the group games and uh, round the six and against Senegal were a bit more fought out than they have been mm-hmm. in previous tournaments. Um, yeah, the Saka one was a bit odd. Well, I would have switched Saka over to the other side just mm-hmm. to explore whatever. Foden can play anywhere across that middle, really, can't he? Yeah. So um, swap those two around would have been probably smart thing to do potentially um just to yeah give the other fullbacks a bit of a different difference maybe um yeah Rashford came on too late I think said so a Grealish I think yeah. you notice Rashford's on the field to be honest a lot no. of the time no, um but yeah at what point do you put them on though that's the thing if they came on any earlier would you upset the balance you don't want to put too many people on at the same time yeah. uh Henderson did look leggy he didn't have a he didn't really have a great game, I didn't think. He gave the ball away far too many times mm-hmm. than he did in the yeah, previous yeah. rounds. Was that was that tiredness? Uh, was that pressure? I don't know. But then again, who are you going to replace him with? Calvin Phillips hasn't exactly played too many games recently. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think Declan Rice could have done it by himself. Again, he gave the ball away. Um, yeah, it's a weird one. You can, you can criticise him for the subs, but then what else was he going to do? It's, it's always easy to say in, in, yeah. in hindsight, yeah. isn't it? So... Um, yeah, if it were me, I would have kept Saka on. I would have swapped them and Foden around and I would have put Rashford on earlier. Mm. I would have left Spurs Sterling back in England, personally. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, I think, yeah, you're right. With the hindsight, it is kind of 2020 always. But I do, I want to give out a few shout-outs to players who I thought across this tournament have really stood out to me. And in this game, particularly I thought Declan Rice struggled for the first 10 minutes, but then was absolutely outstanding. I thought he was just incredible throughout the mm. game, just covered every blade of grass. The His ability to like turn away from the pressure that's on him and get the ball out, I just thought he was absolutely fantastic. Um, and he gets laughed at a lot, but Harry Maguire is always incredible for England. He's had a great I tournament. Think- he he had a great tournament. He's had a great tournament. Yeah. I think the the, the the shame for Maguire is that that split second he switches off, Giroud beats him to the ball. But apart from that, he has been absolutely... And even then, you can't blame him for that. Giroud's a very clever run. It's a beautiful move. The cross from Griezmann is incredible. Like, it's a great goal. I just think he's had an unbelievable tournament. I just wonder what it is about England or the management of Southgate, or the system, or whatever that brings it out of him. Because United, obviously, looks like the world is on his shoulders. But then in England, it just seems like he's like, oh, that's the centre-back that people paid for. That's the assured, kind of, like, calm head, decent passing. Like, I don't know, Ollie. I'll ask you first. What do you think it is about this England environment that brings it out of him? Because he's been incredible. I think it's just a trust he gets from Southgate, isn't it? I think it would be any of that team at United... And he got some five foot five Lissandro and Martinez kind of putting him out the team. It's got to be a little bit depressing, isn't it? Um, <laughs> as good a player as Martinez is. Um, I really like Maguire. I want to like him. It's sad what's happened to him at United. I think after Christmas, I think we might see the best of him yet again, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, he's had obviously things off the pitch, that whole scandal in Greece and yeah, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. family issues and stuff. I think when you're away with your mates, with a manager that trusts you, I think it's just easy to play. And I think John Stones brings the best out of him as well, to be honest. He's yeah. got two quick wing-backs in Walker and uh, Luke Shaw kind of doing the legs for him as well. And, you know, we've seen him in this tournament. Made it, he's kind of, I think he's been taking lessons from John Stones, you know. There's a few 
moments mm. where he's all from deep and he's run into the into midfield, you know. And yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think they bring the best out of each other. I, I really like it as a partnership, and I hope we see them again. Yeah, I, I I honestly hope they continue into the next tournament and they are the partnership again. Um, I would still like to see Tamori in the squad next time, though. I still want to see Tamori. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah. But the name that we haven't even talked about yet, and he has been the standout name from this tournament, I'm going to pat myself on the back and say I called it he would be the breakout star of the tournament. Adam, Jude Bellingham, what did we do right for him to be English? Jesus Christ, it's incredible <laughs> how good that guy is. How impressed have you been by Bellingham in this tournament? He's just unbelievable eh? i've been impressed with him for a number of seasons but i mean in this tournament he really did grow as an international star i feel like you know just the maturity of the bloke is incredible when you saw kane miss that penalty who's the first player to kind of say kane just get your head up just be prepared for the next opportunity now it didn't happen for kane but i think that is what seems to come across. There's a lot of stories about him being more mature than some of his other teammates. Uh, I just think the fact that he's so young still, we, we've got at least a decade to still like kind of marvel really. And he could yeah, get even yeah, yeah. better, which is just monstrous to think like how much more better he can get. I think he's such an incredible talent. And yeah, I think we're, like England's just really blessed to have someone like mm-hmm. that. I mean, it's just incredible. Um, and I just don't, I don't know what else he can add to his game at this moment in time, apart from maybe just, you know, taking control of the ball and do a messy, like one of those <laughs> superb yeah. moments. I mean, what else can you say about the bloke? Um, but I, I'm definitely going to stick by this kind of analogy. I think if you offered him to every nation, they would fit him into their squads because yeah. he's that good. He'd be one of the first players on the list because he's been incredible. And I think this is the starting point for him. So, yeah, just imagine if Musiala also joined. Oh, God, I can't. That could have been. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's that's massive for what if YouTube, if he's listening, there's one. If Musiala picked England, he needs to do that one. Um, But yeah, Ollie, your thoughts on Bellingham? We all laughed at Birmingham when they retired the number 22 shirt. (sighs) It's true, it's true. (laughs) I think think you've got to give immense credit to Dortmund, I think. Is, um, yeah. they've done it with Sancho and they've done it with a few other players during the day I went to go and watch Dortmund uh, in the Champions League a couple of years ago and 17 year old Sancho was playing I think he must have been 17 or 18 mm-hmm. and he ran the park He got Dortmund won 3-0 against Monaco Sancho got 3 assists um, and it's a shame we've not seen that Sancho in the Premier League um, but he was going to freedom to do it once in maturity and you know, he seeing his name in German was a fantastic sight to behold and it's the uh, it's it's the same it's the same with um it's the same with Bellingham and I just can't believe how good he is for his age he reminds me of like his playing style was very similar to like Vieira or um mm-hmm. Yaya Torre at Man City yeah just attacking runs forward with no consequences he's got great feet and balance as well he, he was getting hacked to bits in previous games in Senegal um, like stays on his feet and still finds the right pass, even though he's looking the opposite direction. I don't know how you're that good at that age. And yeah. um, England, England of old wouldn't have gone for a player like that. We would have gone for the uh, a decent passer like uh, a Lampard, a Scholes, or a Gerrard. Not to say they weren't great players, but they were. Um, mm. But they weren't maraudering forwards. No. And it's nice to see. An English player do that because it's normally like I don't know, it's almost almost De Bruyne esque in a way. Um, yeah, yeah. Mm. but uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of other teams who've got a player quite like him. I can't, you know, which is a good thing. 
No, well, that's it, exactly. And he feels complete. He does feel complete. He can do the defensive and offensive. I think with your point, Adam, what what can we see him add to his game? I think we're going to see him become kind of more attack-minded. But I would quite like to see him play that kind of number six role and just keep the game going. And that kind of box-to-box midfielder, not not necessarily just like adding the odd goal, but I think he, he adds so much to the centre of the pitch with his passing and his ability to like beat the press and stuff. I think there's a really, he can do it all. He can do it all. Mm. And I'm really, really excited about him as long as he doesn't go to Man City or Liverpool. Just <laughs> for those teams, please. Um, and that would be fine. Go to Real Madrid. We said it in the last, in the last <laughs> yeah. part. Go to Real Madrid. We can admire you from afar. If you go to Man City, oh. no one's ever going to win the league again. Um, but, before we move on to England, we're going to, I suppose, very quickly try and sum up what we think of Gareth in or Gareth out. Now, I've kind of shown my cards here, and I'm very much Gareth in. I think we this is progress. Um, we're seeing us the team get better. He's getting better. And most importantly, I don't know who we would replace him with. Now, I don't want a manager who's been good at club level because if there's anything we've discovered is that club management and international management are not the same. Um, but I'm going to kind of hand over to you guys and let you say whether you're in or out. And if you're out or in, who would be your replacement? So I'm going to start with you, Ollie. Um, What do we think? And who are you putting next in the um, impossible job? Um. The Morocco manager, Walid Rakuri. Yeah, no, I'm 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 in your camp. Um, I'm very much Southgate in, and I think anyone else who says otherwise, part of the reason I'm not going to the pub anymore, is a bit clueless on World Cup history and how it kind of works. I, I bring the comparisons with uh, Joachim Love, 2006. He could have easily got sacked. He didn't. They had a fantastic Germany squad. But, you know, Podolski, Schweinsteiger is coming through, Philip Lahms. You've still got the old guard of um, uh, Balak and the likes. And then 2010, you got Ozil and Neuer coming through, Philip Lahm and his pomp as well. Nope. Could have got sat then. 2014 wins the World Cup. Third time lucky. Um, and he was there. And he, him and uh, who was it before? It was Jürgen Klinsmann before. They kind of changed yeah. the development of German football a bit as well. Um, not to saying that that's the formula that everyone should go by and give everyone free World Cups because that would just be ridiculous. But as you were saying with club managers, Fabio Capelli, one of the greatest club managers of all time, one of the worst England managers yeah. of all time as well. I think he won one game in the in, in, tournament, in tournaments. And it was terrible to watch. Terrible, terrible, exactly. terrible to watch. Yeah. It was absolutely bad football. So I'm not in the camp of getting rid of someone um, just because they're not playing attacking football. And as I said earlier, it's defensive football that wins World Cups. You look at you look at France at the last tournament, effectively played with a back six at times, Popper, Matuidi playing deep. Uh, before that, Germany, you know, Philip Lahm, Kimmich could effectively switch from attacking to defence quite easily. Before that, Spain, you've got Ramos, Puyol, Captain. Well, everything one nil. Every single game one Every game one nil. Busquets as well, one of the greatest defensive midfielders of all time. Italy, say say no more. 2006, <laughs> yeah. you know, the greatest defence of all time, arguably, with like yeah. Nesta yeah, and yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Cannavaro, last defender to win the Ballon d'Or. Uh, 2002 is a bit of an anomaly because it was an attacking Brazil side, mm-hmm. but then again, you still had Cafu, Carlos, Lucio, example. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you can go back and back and back, and even to 66 with uh, Bobby Moore, etc. Defences win World Cups, in my opinion. And history has shown that. So I, I'm not all for this. We just don't play attacking football. We've got attacking players. It doesn't really make any sense to me. And I don't think there's a club manager about that could do any better than Gareth has bat done. 
I, I, even if you had Pep in charge of England for some weird reason, mm-hmm. I think he probably would have gone out at this stage as well. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot more to it. No, but I, I'd passionately stick with Gareth for at least nice. until the next World Cup. Nice. Okay, Adam, what do you think? Who are you Yeah, in, out, and who are you proposing? Uh, I'm going to go with out just to be controversial here. Nice. Um, I, 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 I am <laughs> going to say prior to this tournament, I don't think England fans were that optimistic going into it. And that's based on the year of football that we had at the Euro Nations that mm-hmm. got relegated out of the Euro Nations. Uh, granted, you know, people do laugh at that tournament. They don't know why we should yep. be playing these tournaments. Um, but I feel like he still demonstrates that he's not explorative enough sometimes. I feel like certain players should have been given a chance, even in these, these kind of games, to at least give him some ideas, thoughts around how he mm-hmm. could maybe change up this team. I think that was very clear in terms of his options. Now, I, I was very sceptical about the squad that he took. He proved me wrong in the sense that, you know, they got them playing and, you know, got the best out of the likes of Maguire. But I feel like in 12 months' time, there'll be a lot of people that will be calling for his name if results don't go his way. Mm. Best kind of team that England have had at possibly winning stuff over the last four years. So there's two tournaments, Euros and now the World Cup. I do genuinely feel that it's a missed opportunity. Will it happen next time? I don't think it'll be that easy next time. I think other teams will have prospects coming through their squads. You know, this French squad seems to have an academy you know, you think mm-hmm. about the depth they've got going forward. I still feel like there's other teams that will come better in time. The likes of Spain, I feel there's something just missing there, for mm-hmm. example. There's other nations that will get better and better. So you think at this generation, and I hate this kind of term of like, this is the golden age, like the Belgium squad, for example. But there has to come a point where you go, could a better manager have come in and done mm-hmm. something different? I, I do genuinely feel there's that little element with England that it's almost feels like, you know, Southgate's got the camaraderie. He's got the culture going right. I still think tactically he's just a bit, bit lacking in those big games. That's, that's the only thing that I can fault him on. And I appreciate, look, I, if I was a Poland fan, I'd take what Southgate has done because I think it's magnificent. But when I'm thinking about England, I'm thinking they should be winning something by now. I really do feel like this, this squad is... has the potentials to win something now. It's tournament, it's tournament football, though, isn't it? But yeah, and I also think he's got us consistently further than any other manager except Alf Ramsey. Yeah. He's, he's, like... he's, he's, he's one more. He's one more than Alf Ramsey. He's, he's yeah. taken over, isn't he? My one last point on Southgate. He's got something that no other manager's got, and that he was the under twenty one manager before this. Mm. So he's known these players for 10, 12 years. He knows yeah. everything about them. If you were to get in a Graham Potter and Eddie Howe or Wilder, for example, it's going to really, it's, it's going to, whoever comes in next is going to, I promise you can click this up. Whoever comes in next is going to be shit. They're going to be, <laughs> they're gonna, honestly, honestly, and that, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, it could be, it could be prime Alex Ferguson. They will be terrible. Because they're not going to have Southgate's built this relationship with the media. We know how England struggled mm-hmm. uh, in the noughties and nineties. Um, he's built up these players since they were kids, since they're teenagers. He's seen their development. He's he's clever. He's intelligent. He knows what they're doing. He's built up these relationships. His man management is on point. Now, if he were to suddenly get the chop now, and he did get in, 
let's say Eddie Howe or whatever, he's got to build that all up again from scratch mm -hmm. in a quarter of the time. It's not going to happen. And as, as tactically more aware as Eddie Howe may be, or whoever else comes in, I don't. I, I think it's fifty percent tactics, and the other fifty percent is um, knowing your team, your players, and getting on. And and there's a, mm. there's a lot more to it than just the tactics. I think. Um, I, but then on I the do... flip side, you look at Morocco, and that manager's been in charge for hundred days. So maybe I'm talking exactly. bollocks. But um... <laughs> there's always an exception, right? There's always an exception. Yeah, yeah, yeah considerable. Yeah. Um, I don't think Scolari was in charge for too long. Too long when uh, he won with Brazil. I think he was in there for a couple of years. I think I, um, I yeah. feel like he came in last minute. Yeah, I feel like he came. But in he last is Brazilian. Yeah. He's always he's always managed in Brazil, though, isn't he? So yeah, yeah. I don't know. But um, I, 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 yeah, I, I'm, I'm attaching my sails and my flags to the Joaquin Love model of three World Cups and. I don't, I think I don't it, know if it'll win. But. It is a trend because Deschamps also won his third, I think. I think Deschamps had done two before he won or maybe two tournaments before the World Cup. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was, it was, Ray, it was um, yeah. 2010 was Raymond Dominic, wasn't it? The French yeah, manager. That had a massive yeah. fallout with a, an <laughs> yeah, Elker. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, well... There we go. I think, and look, we'll see what happens over the next couple of days. It seems like Gareth's taking some time to think about it. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we will see. But overall, very um, happy, happy, I suppose, with how that tournament went. I'm not, like, disappointed as much as Croatia, and I'm not as pissed off as when we used to always go out to Portugal. So I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll take those that as a win. <laughs> um, those Portugal defeats in particular always really, really hurt. But we need it's to move on arrogant. from England. Sorry? They were just arrogant, weren't they? It was just yeah, the, the goalkeeper and Ronaldo. And, uh, anyway, speaking of which, shall we go to a man who is setting fire <laughs> to his very legacy and talk about Cristiano Ronaldo? Morocco march on as they defeat Portugal 1-0 and Ronaldo still manages to make it all about himself as he runs off the pitch at full time with the 4K camera following him. But before we talk about Portugal and laugh at them for a bit, I think we need to give Morocco some credit. And Adam, I'm going to start with you. They, they are yet to have a team score against them. The only goal they have conceded was from their own defender. What is happening with Morocco? It's incredible, isn't it? I think you think about how they set themselves out. We did say they'd go even more pragmatic for this match because that's what Walid Revigura did refer mm -hmm. to in his press conference. Um, but I just feel like there's so many talented players in that squad. Amrabat, who had another fantastic match, who was just dictating the ball in the middle of the park. You've got the wings as well. So Zayech, Hakimi and Bufal on the other side. They just seem so like assured of themselves. And they know every time they go into these matches, they know what the job they've got to do. You could have given Portugal another 12 hours and I don't think they would have scored against Morocco because there, there was that well-drilled, even with Beno in goal. He just seemed to just give that assurance to the defenders in front of him. He knew what he was doing. He told them what to do, shouting to get them clear out of the box as well. You know, I mean, that just goes down to the coaching as well. That mm -hmm. goes really much down to how they've been kind of drilled to do things in certain situations. And 
you know what? I, it, it does feel like against France, even that they could could do it again. They could really go the length, and uh, that would be incredible just to see this nation setting another record in this tournament. Mm-hmm. That would be absolutely insane because I don't think, apart from Samuel Leto, obviously, anyone called this. <laughs> the visionary. <laughs> just, this yeah, is incredible. Yeah. <clears throat> the Oracle yeah, well, <laughs> well, AFC Finners has just commented, I don't see any reason to write Morocco off considering their results. They've truly proven themselves. Now, this is mm. something, and uh, Ollie, I'll get your thoughts on it. All I've heard this week is, well, England only beat Wales, Iran, and uh, Senegal, or this team only beat this team, this team, and this team. And I was looking, I was like, okay, which team, because that argument always annoys me because that's tournament football. You start with the worst teams and then it gets gradually harder. That's how it works. But the only team that you could turn around and say, they've earned it, I think is Morocco. They've beaten Belgium. (laughs) They've beaten Spain. Now they've beaten Portugal. If they beat France, I think no one can say they've done it the easy way, right? How, How have they done it? And how much have you enjoyed watching them? Because we are big champions of this team on this pod. It's, it's been it's it's remarkable. I'm, I'm surprised Adele Tarrant wasn't in the squad. I completely forgot he existed. Oh, for the you know how amazing if, if bring him off the bench for a few nutmegs. Um, but yeah, it's, it's 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 the magic of the World Cup, isn't it? Every every World Cup seems to bring up one. You know, Costa Rica 2014. You could argue Croatia 2018, uh, Ghana 2010. There's always there's always a team that outdoes themselves that no one is expecting to do well. And this time round, I don't think anyone apart from Samuetti was expecting Morocco. Now they've got a good squad. I really liked it. I think he's a quality player. It's a shame it's not really worked out from it. Chelsea, Hakimi as well was great. Um, you know, Sice is a solid defender. Shame about the old leg at the moment. Um, yeah. And they've got a great, you know, I think um, their keeper win Spain's keeper of the year. Yeah, yeah, So they've got a good spine and a good spine will get you a long way in tournament football if, as long as you do the basics right. But um, they play with such confidence. They're playing out with the back. It's not just, they're not just um, doing a Croatia and just kind of like, seeing wave after wave of attack and then kind of just going out when it when it seems fit in the midfield. They're playing some really, really nice football, uh, almost kind of five-a-side-esque. It's, um, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. really, really good. And the, the first African nation to a semis, first Arab nation to a semis as well. And I think they're kind of playing on home soil now as well, playing in a, mm-hmm. in a, a Muslim and uh, Arabic country to a certain extent as well. Um, it's, it's just great to see. You could, yeah, We could potentially end up with a Morocco-Croatia final. We, now, we, need you, it we need it. If you said it. that to me before the tournament started, <laughs> I probably wouldn't have bothered watching a single game until the <laughs> yeah, final. Yeah, yeah, no, know. that's fair. What's the, yeah, yeah. So what's the point? Where in England going to go out to then? Senegal, like, um, if that's the final. Um, so I'm so happy, and it gives me a reason to carry on watching this tournament with interest because you know mm. Argentina are the old rivals to England. Croatia knocked us out in the last World mm. Cup, so there's a bit of bitterness there. Uh, France knocked us out this World Cup. I mean, we need Morocco to succeed. Yeah. The only thing is now, the only doubt I have in their mind and the reason I don't think they're going to go through is that they've got the pressure of not only Morocco, but they've got the pressure of the whole of Africa they seem to be representing at the moment. We've underachieved for years. Yes. Since the days of Roger Miller at Cameroon and before that, Zaire and yeah. um, all, all, all these other countries. Um, but I think they've got the pressure of the whole world, essentially, who isn't Croatian, <laughs> Argentinian or French. Yeah. Everyone else is back in Morocco. Yeah. Their best defenders injured. I think this might be a bit too much, and as much as I want them to go through, and I won't be writing them off by any stretch of the imagination. I think Deschamps probably the best manager at this tournament. He's won it before. Mm. 
we'll go, you know what, against England, it was a bit of a close shave. Um, you said, you mentioned himself about um, certain players being a bit hot-headed. Uh, yeah, hot-headed. Yeah. I think France is going to be a bit more clever about it. And then he's got more footage to look back on and go, well, this is what they've done against Spain. Yeah. This is what they've done against Portugal. And you, you, you've you got to be stupid not to learn from that. Yeah. Mm, yeah, yeah no, as much as I would love Morocco to get to the final, I really would. It's, I can't see it happening. No, I can't. I, I also think you you touched on it with Sice. Like he, I don't know how many more injections he can have in his leg without it starting to just <laughs> balloon. Like, leave. It <laughs> feels like um, they had quite a few players go off with injuries. It was very much mm. like it wasn't just tactical. It was oh crap, this guy's down. This guy's down. I think it feels like a bridge too far. But I honestly thought that after Spain, I thought, oh, it's going to be like after the Lord Mayor's show and it'll just mm. be like, oh, we did this incredible thing and then they'll completely fail. And like, Portugal will touch on as well. Um, but I thought Morocco were incredible. I thought Amrabat, there was a moment in like the 85th minute, I want to say, where he got the ball, ran it back towards his own goal and round, broke <laughs> through the midfield and then passed it. And I was like, okay, look, I've liked you when you were at Fiorentina, but you've never done anything like that. Like, I've <laughs> never seen that before. The the levels that are coming out of these players, like Ziyech has struggled at Chelsea, but he is mm. just flourishing in this team. Bufal, yeah. we remember from Southampton, was not someone who liked to run. And now you cannot get him to stop running. I feel like whatever this coach has done, they've all bought into it and they all know exactly what they're doing. And it's incredible to watch. I'm I'm, I'm super excited by this team. And when Ziyech was at uh, Ajax, I just yeah, loved watching him play. Loved watching Boy. him play. It just, and you're right with the counter-attacks. They're playing beautiful football. They are doing a nutmeg. They are doing little flicks and little intricate passes. And you're like... This is fun. This is just fun. Mm. Um, so it's incredible to watch. But Adam, we need to talk about, I'm repping the shirt for him. He finally, <laughs> Kadira, he finally made his appearance. He did. And it then got was, sent off. It, it was eventful. <laughs> it was eventful. Yeah. <laughs> I did feel sorry for him though. That second yellow was definitely not his second yellow, I'm afraid. But it was great because he had an opportunity as well to sew up the match as well. He it did. was such Couldn't a shame. Couldn't get his touch right. Couldn't such get a shame. His touch right. Um, but yeah, I'm glad that he got his chance, but I hope it's not the end of the road for him, if that makes <laughs> sense. Because as much as it got into being a semi-finals, can you imagine if he scores a winning goal in the final, if Morocco <sighs> make it? I mean, that yeah. would be some fairy tale especially for it is a player in Serie B, right? In Serie B. Like, and the funny thing is, since he left, Bari have like, they've now become SSG party. They just draw every single game. They cannot win a game without him. And they're like, <laughs> we need you back, man. You need to come back. But he's still on holiday. <laughs> he's still there. Um, he did have a chance. He just couldn't quite get it over the defender. But I think he did his job when he came on. He just yeah. caused utter chaos. But... When he did get sent off, I thought, oh, this could be the moment. <laughs> this could yeah. be the moment where it all goes wrong. But Morocco, as we've seen, dug in, stuck to the job, got the job done. And we have to talk about the goal. That was, mm. I don't know if I've seen a header that high. I don't know if I've seen a man that jump that high. That was like before. Ronaldo for yeah. Juventus, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Just the that way was he just kind of stood there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The irony. <laughs> Someone showing him how it should be done, right? But no, <laughs> Again, like um, Diego Costa, he's almost cost this team 
again. But I feel like he, a, 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 a but his reaction was like, was "What are you Diaz. doing up here? Like, what yeah, are you yeah, doing?" Yeah, there was that. But Diaz didn't really help him out either. To be no, fair, he no. was jumping at the same time, and he could have done a lot more. But mm. I, I do feel that's just the difference. It was the just the experience at the back. I think if yeah. you've got a more experienced goalkeeper, he might not necessarily jump at that moment, and it, or at least gone closer to the ball because that was where he just totally misjudged it right so um but yeah um to be fair portugal i thought were really poor uh, they, they could have had shot upon shot and they would not have scored because even the fact that you had bruno fernandez trying to con referees to like yeah. at the ends like it's just like I have an issue such a with joke. portugal I have and an issue with Portugal. They made it really bitter, didn't they? In yeah. the end, you know, but calling always, out the Argentinian ref. They had to. They always do this every time they start to lose. And it's been generations of Portugal teams. They, I remember Figo storming off the pitch in the 2000s because the game wasn't going his way. Mm. Ronaldo's done it several times. And I just feel like with Portugal, there's this thing that the second the game goes against them, it's just their heads just go. And they just start moaning. They start falling down. Tactics go out the window. Everything's just like, <laughs> why aren't we winning? Why aren't we winning? It was summed up by that shot that Fernandez had, which was an incredible volley, just goes over the bar. Mm. And rather than just like, oh, God damn, like you swear, you get on with it. He's like screaming, pulling at his shirt, like pleading with the gods. I'm like, man, there's still half an hour left. Like, keep your head. Let's go. Like, there's still plenty to do in this game and i just feel like mm. portugal completely lost their heads pepe was pepe um i did enjoy the moment where he got the moroccan guy kissed his head absolute chef's kiss um <laughs> but i wanted to talk about fernando santos because he did this incredible thing by dropping ronaldo right they smashed switzerland fucking 10-1 or whatever it was <laughs> and then the second the game goes wrong he just reverts back to Ronaldo and just throws Ronaldo. And he's like, oh, fuck, right, just get him back on the pitch and hopefully he'll rescue me. Rafa Leao was sat right there. I think Leao is mm. the one to bring on, not Ronaldo, right? And I don't know what you think about this, Oli, but I thought Ronaldo had 40 minutes to play. He came on in the 50th minute, right? Yeah, he came on in the 50th minute. Well, uh, it's weird how Portugal went from smashing Switzerland 6-1, being one of the most creative and frightening teams. I, when I was watching the game, I was like, fucking hell, I, I didn't Shit. realize Portugal yeah. was yeah. good. Yeah. And then they revert. Yeah. Then I've never seen a team flip over and be as bad and uncreative mm-hmm. as possible, which is to Morocco's credit, to be fair. So I think um, towards the end of the second half, I think Portugal had 70, 70-odd percent possession. Um, but it might surprise you to learn that both shots had, uh, both teams had three shots on target. Wow. So that goes to show um, it wasn't exactly working. In terms of Ronaldo coming on the 50th minute, it, I don't think it was a stupid thing to do, to be fair. I think he realised his tactics weren't working. I thought what he has to do is get Ronaldo on, get crosses into the box. Um, you can't deny Ronaldo's heading ability, but he mm-hmm. just never crossed it into the box. It's like, we'll get him on. <laughs> and then what? As a, as a focal <laughs> point, and then not use him as a focal point. <laughs> and then he ended up yeah. coming deep. He ended up on the left-hand side. And that's, that's what United have. Um, done wrong as well. You, if you're going to put uh, Ronaldo on, 37 years old, put him on as a focal point, and they haven't. He, he keeps coming to collect mm-hmm. the ball. No, because that's when he's he's past it. He can't dribble past players like he used to. Put him on, put a cross in. He's got every chance of getting there first. In fact, he's got more chance than most. Um, yeah. But they weren't doing that. They were just giving it to him in difficult positions because he was begging for it. And now I think, um, yeah, it kind of... As soon as Ronaldo came on, I was like, well, Morocco are winning this because they've reverted to type. 
Um, and that's a shame. I, I never thought I could feel sorry for a multi-multi-millionaire, but um, to a certain extent, I do. I don't think it was Ronaldo's fault they lost it. I don't. I don't think I, it's. I, think I don't think it's his he, fault. He, he could have quite no. easily won the game for them. Yeah, I, he did have a chance. He did have a chance where I thought, oh, he, I, any like five years ago, that's not even a consideration. Yeah. That girl he was very pathetic. He was. He was pathetic at the end, though, by not shaking yeah. the hands of any of the players. Not I feel like players you would take. Yeah, this is my issue with him. That's my issue with him. Is that you just storm off the pitch? Not even like I. I feel like in the past he's tried to sell himself as this, like you know, I'm helping the young players. I'm like, especially with Portugal, like I'm there as like the the elder statesman. They, like a lot of those players are quite young, like João Felix and players like who I actually thought had a pretty good game. But João Felix and players like that, they need you to be there and be like, you know, there'll be another one if you know what I mean. Be yeah. that leader, and instead. He makes it all about him again. I just, I just cannot wait for the guy to just retire and sod off. I'm just so sick of him. I'm absolutely sick of him. And I think, unfortunately for him, a lot of people, the lasting memory is going to be this bit of his career. It'll be like, oh, he was that incredible player who then just set fire to it all at the end. I feel like that might be yeah. the last. last yeah, legacy. I mean, like, <laughs> well, look, it's a Dan. Is his final match? You know. <laughs> True. It, but then people it was memorable, though. It was memorable. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> people, aren't saying, people aren't saying the same thing about him. It's like fucking no. Stan. Fucking loves that guy. Yeah, so yeah. I think it's unfair to kind of maybe tarnish that. I think you put, you put yourself in his shoes, and this is what I've tried to do in the last week. He's got this. Inter- people must go on it. It's the battle between him and Messi. This was his chance, really, yeah. to finally win the World Cup. Although he's already won the Euros. Messi's won the Cup of Libertadores. Cup of America, yeah. Um, so he's kind of won all in that aspect. This this World Cup was his final chance. He's probably not going to play for Portugal again after this. You know, it's a good no, chance no. he won't. He equaled the all-time international record in this game. He'll get one more game, so he gets the record, and then oh, yeah, maybe, maybe yeah. In, a, in a friendly against fucking. There's always always Qatar. the Yoshi <laughs> yeah. uh, King Kaza record, right? King Kazu, yeah, break. maybe maybe he goes yeah, for the King Kazu record. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's a weird one with Ronaldo. I think um, he probably should have handled himself with a bit more grace. But then at the same time, he's got all these emotions going over. It's been a tricky few months for him, mm. um, rightly or wrongly. I don't know. It's a difficult one, isn't it? I. I don't know what the future of him holds, really. It was Messi wasn't. We'll go on to the Neverland Argentina game. Messi wasn't great after that game either, to be honest. It just goes. Oh, no, no, high, no, and that's yeah, that's a side of him. That. That's a side of him I've never seen before, and I did put it in my notes. Wait, Messi can get angry, um, and actually, <laughs> yeah. let's use that as kind of a segue. I think that's a semi neat segue into Argentina versus the Netherlands, and I think it was world class shit housing at its very finest from both teams <laughs> so many moments here my highlight of the game just for the sheer unnecessary unnecessariness of it is Paredes absolutely cannoning that ball into the Dutch mm. bench for zero reason um that was personally my highlight of the game I really enjoyed that just for the complete what the hell is going on the energy of this game now it wasn't helped by the ref who I think refed it in completely the wrong way and he tried to turn this into about himself now it's La Hoss, right I think it, it, yeah. people who watch La Liga uh, and the Champions League I think are fairly familiar with him yeah. um, but I feel like he kind of handled the game quite badly but this is a team that before the game people were talking about how much history there is between these teams 
they've knocked each other out of several tournaments several times. Um, as a game, I think it was fairly comfortable for Argentina until it wasn't, until Big Vout came on and all of a sudden things got interesting. Um, before we get to the end of the game, Adam, what did you think of Argentina's performance and that pass from Lionel Messi, which is just mind-blowing? I mean, yeah, Messi was both incredible but incredibly arrogant in this match mm. because he could have easily been sent off on another day. And that goes yeah. down to the refereeing as well, which I feel not in just this match, but in other matches, these big name players seem to be getting away with it quite easily. I think if there was a Colina in charge, I don't think they would be getting away with so much shit. Um, but yeah, I mean, if we talk about Argentina... Again, it, you think that it wasn't spectacular performance. I didn't feel like it was a fantastic Argentina mm -hmm. squad. But what, what we will say is they seem to have this knack of just grinding out results when they need to. It refers back to this kind of France analogy of being ruthless. They were ruthless mm -hmm. when it needed to be. They weren't particularly fantastic, but they seem to be just getting this momentum going. And it feels like... As we've said in our previous shows, it seems to be they're trying their best just to make sure Messi gets this title. It really mm. does feel yeah. they're just camaraderie. They're getting behind him. You saw it with Emiliano Martinez towards the end. I mean, the amount of like shouting he did towards the <laughs> end, just combination guy. of the crowd uh, and everyone about. I mean, it was just. <laughs> but that was Argentina all over. That's what they do. They kind of make it all about everyone hates us. We don't care. It's, yeah. They they yeah. are all about just grinding out these results. And the more that people hate them, the more they're just going to continue being mm. themselves. And I feel like this is the kind of Argentina that we've been almost crying out for, but we also like the skillful side that they display. Mm. And that pass, I mean... That was incredible. I mean, just, I don't get how you he, even imagine that. I don't understand. No, because it. even when you look at him, he's not looking in that direction. So how the hell does he know that potentially Malena is going to be in that position to potentially score this goal? I mean, just that Fred as well. He's done it for Barcelona mm. in the past, but that was an incredible moment. I think everyone's jaws to suddenly drop. And the first touch, incredible. the first touch as well to get himself the room is. It's one of those, do you know that skill from, there's that Roma player, Tadai, and no matter how many times yeah. I watch that skill, I can't get my head around it. No matter how many times, <laughs> I don't get how he did it. I watched that Lionel Messi first touch. I'm like, no, I don't get it. I need to watch it again. How did he do it? Like, unbelievable first touch to get him the space. And yeah, that pass, like, I think Gary Lineker said it, like, he, he plays football like he's watching it from a bus. <laughs> Yeah, uh, the dog's barking. I need to go let the dog out. <laughs> On that note, um, Ollie, <laughs> what did you think of Argentina? I think the whole tournament they've been quite unconvincing. I don't know about you, Adam, but I've yeah. ever, after every game I've gone, well, they've scraped through, but they've not convincing, and they've got a very weird team. I just, I don't really know. They've got a weird. It's quite an old team, isn't it? Relatively yeah. old, relatively old team. Heads. Experienced heads, and the youth players are a bit too youthful, a bit too inexperienced as well. Some some people only get them there like fourth and fifth caps, etc. But it's a very weird team. There's no real standout players. Di Maria's passed it. Enzo Fernandez had a pretty good tournament, to be fair. And, of course, Messi as well. But there's no one else is really kind of standing out. When you've, when you've still got Otamendi as a centre-back starting, it's it's a bit worrying, isn't it? And I'm surprised they've made it this far. Um, I, I thought, you know, the, before this tournament, uh, tournament started, I put them down to flop. I just didn't, didn't think they had the minerals. And they've, they've proved me wrong to a certain degree. And I think you're right in what you're saying. They've grinded out results. Um 
but yeah, they're still very, very unconvincing in my eyes. And I think I'm hoping uh, Croatia will be a real wake up call for them. And uh, mm. on the flip side, it's it's not the best Netherlands team we've ever seen either. And it's funny, we talk about England game, we didn't even mention the ref in that game. And uh, no, how some of the dodgy positions well. will there be. So, you know what, we've done all right. You know, this guy was giving out cards like it was fucking Christmas at school. Um, but <laughs> yeah, it was yeah, mad. Yeah. Yeah. The one player will call out Alexis McAllister. I thought Oof, yeah. for the last few games, I feel like he's been keeping that midfield tidy, just making sure those intricate passes are taking place. He's almost like the build-up player, but he can score as well. He's had a few shots on target against Poland, obviously, for example. Mm-hmm. I think he's been really a standout player for Argentina. Another Brighton gem. Another Brighton yeah, gem. Just keep finding them, right? You think he's going to get a move? I reckon he's going to get signed I think by so. like Milan yeah. or... I could see him at a Seville, Seville, is it? Yeah. yeah, no, I think there'll be a few midfielders picked up this tournament. There's been a few that have stood out, and I think you're right, McAllister is one of them. But I think what Argentina did really well was they nullified Holland for a bit until Holland, well, they nullified the Netherlands until the Netherlands ditched their tactics completely, and then they didn't know what to happen, yeah. what to do. I love it in a tournament when all the carefully laid plans just go straight out the window, and you're like, right, Vout, on you come. Van Dyke, you're up front, just bidding well, in the area. Yeah, and all, the, all League Two. Absolute chaos, but they got in the game. Vout Van Course with a great header, and then that, that free, free kick, kick. it just the absolute stone cold audacity balls. You need to do that in the last kick of a game in the World Cup. It's just outstanding. Like that genuinely that got me out of my sofa. I was like, oh my god, what the fuck has just happened? Like, what exactly. is this? So an incredible fight back from um from the Netherlands. And I think it was kind of almost a suitable way. He would have liked it to go a bit better to say farewell to Louis Van Gaal. This is his last game in management, but I feel like that was kind of a not too bad a way for him to go out. What do you think, Adam? Yeah, it's beautiful regardless. I mean, he's given us a laugh during this tournament as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, more time with the missus in the bedroom department <laughs> and he can kiss Dunsel Dumfries <laughs> as much as he likes. I think most of Holland and the Netherlands will give him that due. But, I mean, <laughs> we will reflect on him as being one of those kind of, he's Marmite, isn't he? You either love him or you hate him kind of mm. bloke. And I think you saw a little bit of the hate part of LVG's tactics towards the end, but it gets results. That's ultimately I been his it philosophy. It, it is great yeah, yeah. that he can still inspire the squad. I think, if anything, this Holland or Netherlands squad have been really inspired this year. Mm-hmm. They, they And they seem more relaxed. I mean, we talk about meltdowns with the French squad. Netherlands have been like yeah. known for having meltdowns when they don't agree with each other, mm-hmm. don't get along. They can have a massive meltdown. So the fact that he got that harmony, I think it helps that he's got ex-players like Edgar David, Danny Blind next to him as well. That probably helps that kind of Ajax philosophy as well mm-hmm. probably come across. So, yeah, it's such a shame because I think he still adds a lot of value and I'm I'm hoping he gets like a director of football role yeah. if he can still be- continue. But... I suspect he'll be at home with his slippers up now, just drinking some cognac or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I can. Yeah. T- I hope so. I hope so. He's earned it. He's earned it. I kind of really. Yeah. I, I think I enjoyed this this Netherlands team at times. I feel like they were very pragmatic, which is what Louis van Gaal does. But I think the vibes in the camp looked impeccable. There was a video when they qualified for the quarterfinals of them all dancing with the masks, and I was like, "That looks like a good time. It looks like a good time." <laughs> so I think. 
they they achieved more than I expected them to this tournament. What did you expect from the Molly, and were you impressed with them in general? Um, was I impressed? No. What did I expect? I expected them to win it. They were my dark horses. I thought they were going to go really? all the way. I just thought this wow. togetherness with Van Howe, um, his last tournament, mm-hmm. what he's going through at the moment. I just thought, as you said, pragmatic. I just thought they might might just grind yeah. up results and get the old lucky penalty shoot out here and there. And, um, you know, because it was probably unexpected. It's not the greatest Dutch team we've seen of all no. time. And they're kind of relying on, you know, that their course. Their goalkeeper was a policeman a few years ago. <laughs> the pies and it, like he's hot and cold, like yeah. a British summer. Um, you know, it's 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 not for the most lovable team. Cody Gakpo is probably one of the greatest things that's come out of it, to be honest. Yeah. Um, again, they've got a relatively decent spine as well, so you can you can never write them off. Um, but yeah, I've not actually enjoyed watching them play. I think their games have been been quite boring, other than this one, funnily enough. Yeah. Um, and it's a shame they've had to go out on the cruel way, such as penalties. But it was an entertaining game. 16 cards, referee, just an absolute madman. They were 2-0 down up until the 83rd minute. Wakehorst yeah. has 10, 10 touches, two goals. And I think Spain had 3,000 touches in the last two or three games <laughs> and scored one. Um, so sign, sign him up. You know, I could see what Burnley were trying to do. But um, yeah, it was... Uh, yeah, to us, I completely forgot he was in the team. I assumed he went from Bernie to Besiktas. I assumed he didn't make the squad. I was like, well, we'll leave that Harry Potter character at home. But um, no, we'll, we'll get uh, we'll get, we'll get Venkhorst yeah. on the bench. And he he'd done an absolute job and fair play to him. He took it. Mm. <laughs> as soon as he scored that goal, he then like lifted the team up. He's like, yeah, yeah. this is my moment kind of thing, which is quite a good thing yeah. to do. Um, so yeah, to be honest, yeah, not too impressed by the Netherlands, but I really wanted them to do well. Mm. Uh, for financial reasons as well as uh, how <laughs> they're, they're all they're all valid reasons. They're all valid reasons. Um, yeah, I feel like you're right. Gakpo is one of the kind of brightest sparks to come out of this for them. I think, um, but we need to, we kind of need to talk about the penalties, I suppose. Um, Martinez, I, in we do now have Argentina against Croatia, so this is Lavakovic against Martinez. Yeah, um, could we see the first ever nil-nil penalty shootout? I don't know how this goes. Um, they are both incredible at stopping penalties. It seems. Um, Adam, are you um, in favour of Emmy Martinez's um, extreme shit housing tactics? I think he's taken the game to a new level in this, uh, in this uh, realm. I mean, he showed it in the Premier League a few times, hasn't he? And I, I just, I, I seem to adore him even more. Just yeah. the shithousery that he can just inspire the hate out of not just fans, but even fellow everyone. players. Like <laughs> everyone just hates him sometimes. So, I, I, yeah, for me, he's the typical goalkeeper. He does not give a damn. He could yeah. be eccentric as he likes, but when he pulls off these moments, that's all that matters for Argentinian fans. So, um, yeah, I, it's going to be an interesting matchup, that's for sure. I mean, yeah, with Levkovic, I mean, again, that's a fairy tale story as well, right? Because mm-hmm. he hasn't played every game, but he's been bought in, and you know, he, he does the great things of like just saving penalties, and even the, like when you think about the whole match, he. He's quite good. He's a really He's making good incredible saves. He made some he makes great it saves. Seem easy at times. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's just incredible. So, yeah, I think it's really interesting to see these. Well, firstly, Argentina. This is all down to Neil Mopai injuring Burnt Leno. If that doesn't happen, we don't end up where we are now. So, all of Argentina should be um, thanking Neil Mopai in some twisted way, <laughs> and the fact that Arsenal sold him, no doubt. Um, but I think, yeah, we're seeing a 
the goalkeepers really like I love it they get their moment in the spotlight right they get their like in a tournament it's like right this keeper has just won us a huge game a huge moment I feel like in leagues it kind of gets lost a little bit like best saves and stuff just kind of get lost in the goals and the context of the season but in the tournaments you really see the absolute value of having a world-class keeper like you could argue that Bunu, Bunu, who we've been talking about, yeah. has been outstanding. Um, Livakovic and Martinez, Chesney for Poland was unbelievable. Yeah, Nobody saw yeah. that coming, right? So I feel like you really see the value of keepers in tournaments, and it's great to see them absolutely killing it. But we need to move on to Livakovic and his compatriots as Brazil versus Europe. They have an issue. They cannot beat <laughs> European teams. Um, this is their, <laughs> I want to say, sixth Quarter, no, fifth quarterfinal exit, and the other one was a semi-final, and they, well, we all know how that one went. So Brazil now have a massive issue about beating European teams. Um, Ollie, what did you make of this game, and how much do you hate players who wait for the fifth penalty? A lot, and I very much, <laughs> yeah. I, um, I enjoy this game so much. I really dislike the Brazil team. I think they're the most okay. unlikable bunch of arseholes. Um, for Brazil for a long time. Okay. I really, I really dislike them. They just had, oh, I don't know, they've got a spoil attitude about them, like a spoil arrogance, if that makes sense. I think the it's players of 2002, of yeah, 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 the players of 2002 were just skillfully blessed, but also a bit of class, a bit like, you know, your Cafus, Gilberto Silvers, uh, and even your Ronaldo's to an extent, he just overcome injury at the time and mm-hmm. comes back, although he parted off, off the pitch, so to, so to speak. Um, but all these all these current players just seem like they bring over they bring over their hairdresser. They start dancing against Korea. I'm like oh my no, you dance when you score in a semi final against a France or an England or an Argentina, not against a Korea who barely scraped through and you dick them four one. Don't dance against them. <laughs> dance when you deserve it. You know what I mean? Uh, but Richarlison just comes across as really arrogant. Anthony comes across as arrogant. Neymar, obviously, thinking he's going to score the winning penalty by coming fifth, as you're alluding mm-hmm. to. Just really arrogant. Um, I, I really dislike. I really like Brazil as a nation and yeah. historically for football. But this team, you know, you know, it was never going to go well when one of your players plays for West Ham. I've never known a Brazil <laughs> squad like this. You've got a Brazil <laughs> squad where you where your your main strikers on the bench for Tottenham. And they've never won anything. And you've got a midfielder who starts just playing for West Ham. You've got another fucking defender who's 42 and playing somewhere in Mexico. That's speaking of good keepers, speaking, <laughs> speaking, 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 speaking of good keepers as well, you know, Allison is probably the world's best keeper, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. As it didn't, didn't even get mentioned. I just Brazil were favourites for this tournament, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. with the bookies mm-hmm. beforehand. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And I said they would. I said Brazil and Argentina will flop. That was my prediction. So I was wrong about Argentina, but I'm glad to say I was right about Brazil because I don't. I think the players are all individuals. I don't think they're a cohesive team. I think Vinny Junior is probably a standout player. He's anything that made anything happen. But in this particular game, he was as dead as a dormouse. Yeah. Um, and you got to give. I, mean, I keep slating Brazil, but you got to give immense uh, kind of. Um, respect to Croatia really their game management yeah. was just absolutely brilliant it's and what they it do comes best down... right it is what so, they do yeah. best just managing games just managing games I feel like with Brazil there is this kind of mentality hurdle now I feel like there's a kind of a thing they've not won it since mm. 2002 right that was yeah. the last final they reached um they've only got to a semi-final once it feels like each tournament it gets bigger and bigger and bigger 
and things things like Neymar, the injury in 2014 in Brazil was huge. And then he comes into this and it's like, I need to win this for my company, for my country. It's not, I think yeah. you're right. It's not, we need to win it for our country. I need to win it for you guys. That kind of thing. I awful. really enjoyed watching this Brazil team. Um, I like them a little bit more, but mainly because I've got a few Arsenal players in there. Martinelli, <laughs> just throw him on. Bloody throw him on. For he, was, God's he wasn't sake. playing. I know. They didn't even yeah. bring him on. They didn't even bring him on. Anyway, um, I do quite like this Brazil team, um, but I feel like there is a mentality block there and it's getting bigger and bigger each tournament and mm. you can feel the weight of that shirt. Now, that shirt yeah. brings out a lot in players. We talked about it in the early rounds when you see Casemiro balling out and Richarlison scoring more goals in two minutes than he has in his entire Spurs career. And you're <laughs> like, how the hell is this? Like, it does bring something out of them, but I think the weight of it, it just arrives very quickly. And the mm. second that Croatia got that quick equaliser, I think they were like, oh, we've seen this you one. Know, yeah, uh, yeah. You know what they remind me of? Go on. They remind me of England between 1990 and 2014. Like that kind of never escaper from the quarters, all this pressure on them, great players, mm -hmm. great squads, but never... Yeah. Uh, maybe a group of individuals like we saw in like 2006, potentially, mm -hmm. um, but never quite doing it. And that's what they remind me of. Yeah. Um but yeah, I was going to say there's three players that stood out for me, other than the keeper for Croatia, was Modric, Juranovic, and uh, Vardiol. Vardiol, without, yeah. Them three, I don't think Croatia. That won. tackle, that tackle yeah. set up the goal, didn't it? I think yeah. he is he is another player, Gvardiol, that we're going to see move very, very quickly after mm. this World Cup. I think he's been one of the standout centre-backs across the tournament. He's still only 21, I want to yeah. say. Um, Where is he now at Leipzig, isn't he? Yes, yeah, yeah. He is yeah. going to not be there much longer, I think. There are a lot of teams looking at him. He was outstanding. But Adam, we need to give Croatia their credit. We were talking yeah. before the tournament about how their midfield might be a bit too old and creaking, but Brozovic breaks the record for running the furthest in the tournament still, despite smoking like 20 a day. This guy just does, does not stop. Um, can Croatia do it? Are we just going to get the same final as 2018? I hope not, I'm, but can Croatia I'm get it? I'm just going to officially retire from predicting what Croatia do next. Like every time I've been saying it, like even Juranovic, he had a mag magnificent game against Vinicius Jr. It just kept Great him player. so quiet. It was just incredible. And just for your benefit, Ollie, I've been writing him off every bloody game and I've been saying he's been poor. Like, and then he pulls that one out of the bag. I just don't know what to expect with this Croatian mm -hmm. side, but it kind of goes to the point of, that they play as a team, they play fantastically, they can ride out these moments even when they're not playing so well. Again, yeah. is that the ruthlessness that they are talking about? That that's the difference between winning games and not in a certain manner. I mean, this is the thing. You look at that midfield and they are complete. They've got Kovacic, yeah, yeah. who we know can do some good things at Chelsea as well as Croatia. Modric, we know he's probably at his last World Cup. He's probably gunning for that potential lift of the cup. Can you imagine mm. that if he does that? And then you've got Brozovic, who we know from Inter Milan, and he dominates Serie A. And I absolutely I love think him. He's incredible. He's such a character as well, right? Because we've With the seen what he does the in bomb the yeah. just bomb he does what he wants. And and he just does, he yeah, exactly. Yeah. Literally, he's yeah, you know, he doesn't even have to train half the time, and he's still no. as fit, <laughs> if not fitter, than his teammates. It's yeah, incredible. Yeah. Just 
Yeah, superlatives. And I think it goes down to that manager as well. Like Zlatko Dalic, he just seems to let them just be themselves. He he doesn't... Mm. I've never seen him actually sweat at this tournament. He doesn't seem to sweat either. His like, expression never seems, changes. He's just exactly. like... Exactly. It's related yeah, to Prince Andrew. He's so, time, so like, quiet. Yeah. Like, he must be like thinking of like bunnies just jumping over hoops <laughs> or something like that. He just <laughs> seems so contemplate with everything. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, I don't want to kind of estimate or guess where Croatia are going to go next because yeah, whatever I say is going to be wrong, right? So, um, yeah, let's just say Croatia aren't going to make it so they can actually progress to the final. <laughs> because we, get them into the, we can get <laughs> them into the final. But I think that, that's a good point about the energy of the manager because it does kind of match the energy of the team. They never seem to panic. You don't see Croatia yeah. panic. They're always just kind of, they know they'll get there in the end. And the second the extra time kicks in, they're like, okay, boys, here we go. We know the drill now. Like, and I just think it's it's incredibly, incredibly impressive. It's a more it's a more well-rounded squad than the 2018. I think we've kind of talked about it before. Yeah. I think up front they've got a few more options. Um, defenders like Versaiko at the last tournament kind of they were good in flashes, but it feels like they've got a bit more consistency. That Gvardiol has been outstanding. And yeah, I hope. A big part of me wants to see Messi win the thing and sign off his career as like how it should end. But then I really think the story of Modric and his life, I don't know if you've seen the Netflix series Captains. Yeah. Um, I've been watching it. Very, very good. Um, mm. His life story is, is just, my God, incredible. And if he actually managed to lift that World Cup, it would be like incredible. one of the greatest stories in sport, I think. It would just mm. be incredible. So like fully... Fully behind Croatia and Morocco at this point, I think I'm trying to tide <laughs> between the two. I don't know, um, but I think that's all of the games reviewed, guys. I think that's kind of yeah. everything. Now we just need to look forward to the semi-finals. So the first semi-final is going to be France versus Morocco, um, the colony against the colonizers. Um, Ollie, how do you see this game going? Yeah, I think it's going to be far too. I think it's one step too far for Morocco, I'm afraid. So I would love to see Morocco win it, um, but I'm a bit of a pessimist, I'm afraid. I think France would have learned from the tight game against England and would have studied um, against the games against Portugal and Spain. And maybe I think I think we're going to see a very, very different uh, France squad. I think they're going to let Morocco have the ball and let them make the mistakes and uh, count them. That's how I think they're going to play it. Um, so I'm going to go France and it'll be 2-0. Nice. Adam, what do you think? I'm going to go for Morocco. Why not? Why Ooh. not? Live the dream. Let's see if they can actually pull it off. I mean, I do agree with Oli's sentiments, though. I do feel like France will probably have the quality over Morocco. But just for the fairy tale, I'd love them to just go one step further. Morocco to win in normal time. I'm going to go 1-0. Very nice. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of leaning towards Oli. I think France are just going to like, it could be done in the first 15 minutes. I'm not sure they could just be absolute like bludgeon attack and then game over, but <laughs> we will see. And then the next semi final is Croatia against Argentina. This time, Adam, I'm going to start with you. How do you see this game going? I think it'll go all the way. I, I genuinely feel it'll be one of those games where we think Croatia lethargic to start off with. Messi will be on a mission and then they'll cancel each other out. I don't think it'll be as feisty as the Netherlands game because I think, as we alluded to, I think Croatia a bit more calmer. They can soak up the pressure, but they won't let it get to their heads. I've not seen like Croatia kind of get to a point where they get really aggressive with their style of play. They seem to just, 
yeah, no matter what's thrown at them, they just carry on. They just stick to a plan and it seems to be the way they do it. I think there's a lot of weaknesses in Argentina's kind of play as well that they can pick at. Um, and I think it's going to be a question of who can cancel the other one out. Um, as we say, Argentina have got an aging squad as well. So this could be a perfect match in terms of it might not be boring, but again, at the same time, I don't know if there'll be a lot of attacking flair from each side in some extents. Um, but I think Perisic might be a big player in this match. I think if he can go down the wings, cause their kind of wing backs a bit of issues. It'll be interesting to see who he plays as well. Tagliafico, who we know from Ajax, mm -hmm. um, he's obviously now in France. It'll be interesting to see if he can handle Perisic at times. Um, for me, it's just up front for Croatia that I do worry about. Kramaric, he does try his best. And I just think if they just had that little bit of a quality player, like a Boxic or Davos mm -hmm. Shuka, I mean, can you imagine if they had him in the squads? I mean, <laughs> oh, beautiful yeah. squads player. Incredible. Um, but yeah, I, I think it will go all the way. And do I say, I, I think Croatia will go through. You've backed a Croatia-Morocco final. I love it, Adam. I love it. Oli, exactly. what do you think? Yeah, it's going to be... Well, both teams don't score a lot, do they? I think no. even Argentina have struggled to score in this tournament um, and left it right to the late stages. And uh, they've needed a bit of messy magic. And I think that's what it would take again. I just don't think they've got any other players that can really score consistently. We saw Enzo Fernandez bag a couple, but I think that was just on off on the one game, to be honest. Um... Yeah, if, if Croatia manages game correctly, I think the odds are in their favour. Mm. Um, but who's going to score their goals in 90 minutes? I think it's going to end on penalties. Yeah. Mm. And then it's Martinez against Leverkovic. Oh, it's a, it's a real coin toss. You don't know. I think Argentina on penalties. I like Ooh. it. I like it. I think I think you're probably right. I think we all agree that it's going to go the whole way. I think Croatia are going to manage this game perfectly and it will go to penalties. Then it is just, as you said, a roll of the dice. But I'm going to say Argentina, I think. And I've been quite boring instead of France-Argentina final. But then we get Mbappe and Messi and that could be interesting. Um, but I want to say... Ollie, thanks for coming on to the show, man. I really enjoyed that. Um, for our viewers and listeners, if they want to find you, find your podcast, etc., where do they find you? Uh, yeah, Twitter at Team of Our Lives or Instagram TeamOfOurLives.podcast. We do noughties-based football podcasts, talking all things noughties. Oh, although at the moment we are we're covering the World Cup as well. Uh, if you're a fan of football stickers, classic football stickers, got a, quite a good TikTok channel. Um, opening stickers from all sorts of years, nearly on 100,000 followers. So if you want to give us a follow there, Paolo, nice. Paolo Pinini. Very nice. Beautiful. Well, Adam, um, anything to say before I continue with our partnership with Cards of Qatar? Nothing but just to say very enjoyable pod as ever. And I look forward to updating everyone about the Miknevich ball. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> Listen out keep, on the next episode. We'll keep our fingers crossed for Bielsa. <laughs> we'll keep our fingers crossed for Bielsa. But now it is time to continue our partnership with Cards of Qatar, where we tell the story of three migrant workers who sadly lost their lives in the build-up to this tournament. First up, Mijanur Rahman from Bangladesh. Mijanur Rahman had been working in Qatar as a private driver for eight years and recently changed employer. The widow Mosa Arifa Laizu says that her husband was in good health while he was in Bangladesh, and that there was no record of heart disease while he lived in his home country. It is hard for us to believe that Mijan died of a heart attack in Qatar, she said. Khalida Ramesh 
from India. On August the 10th, 2016, Kalida Shravan's father had just left his shift. Suddenly, he fell and began to twist in agony. I drove him as fast as I could to a hospital where they said he had a heart attack. The company for which his father has worked for nine years paid the last monthly salary and delivered the body. My father came back to India as a dead body in the luggage along with some money. His job was hectic. The car he was driving was old. The engine boiled in the heat and it was unbearable to sit inside the car. He was only 40 years old, too young to die, says Shravan. And finally, Sufman Mia from Bangladesh. At the end of the workday, he fell down outside the construction site where he worked and was sent to a local hospital where a doctor declared him dead. I could not believe it at first since he was in good health, says the widow, Sumi Akhtar, is now worried about school fees and the future life of her children. Daily life is hard. Thanks for joining us, guys. We will see you on Friday.